The Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, built for the trail. White Rock Performance Gear, built tough, priced right, ready when you are. Hey everybody, it's uh, Dylan and Brian here for episode 11, and we got some big news to let everybody know about. We decided that we were going to ask Brian to come on as another host. And he accepted. So, Brian, welcome to the Antler Archives team. Thank you. It's uh, nice to be part of the team. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of good things to come. Yeah, we've we've had Brian on for a few episodes now. And we just kind of figured everything gelled pretty good with us three. So, figured we might as well ask Brian to be a part of the podcast crew and we all know how schedules get everybody gets really busy so if one of us can't make it we should always be able to have two so Craig's busy with some farm stuff tonight so we figured we might as well get one done here so we get our podcast on schedule and then hopefully he can be back soon but he's been, Craig's been very, very busy with his new job and with the farm, so. Yeah, he just moved houses, what, a couple weeks ago, got a new job, big changes in his life. Yeah, so we're here to pick up the slack. (laughs) That's what a a team's all about. Nothing nothing hard against Craig, but that's what we're here for. He's going to be helping out in the background with social media and everything. So me and Brian will do lots of the podcast. So enough about that. But uh, Brian, let's introduce you to everybody. Where are you from? How long you been hunting? You know, all the good stuff. Oh, I currently live in Edson, Alberta. Um. Me and my wife have lived there for six years. Um, originally from a little town called Macanda, Illinois. Born and raised there. Um, got into hunting early on. You know, I mean, I guess as far as the usual story that everybody else has, started out with small game, going with my dad. My uncle, uh, squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting. Um, then started big game hunting whenever I was 10. Shot my first deer with a bow at 10 years old. Uh, and needless to say, I was hooked from there. And it's just kind of kind of grown, become an obsession from there. And uh, whenever I was, oh, early 20s, I got the opportunity to move to Grand Cache, Alberta, for work. Um, Took the opportunity, honestly, solely based on hunting. Lots of, you know, animals that I had never hunted before, basically before I moved deer turkey that's all that was around and so moving 
to a different place where there's elk, moose, mule deer, white-tailed deer, uh, sheep. Like you broaden your horizon a lot. Um, shortly after I moved, I ended up meeting my wife and that's kind of brought us back to where we live now. Um, like I said, we moved from Grand Cash to Edson and that's where we live now. Yeah, I remember when you moved to Edson. That was a that was a while ago. Yeah, we've been there I guess coming up on seven years right away. We moved. Yeah. I think it was two thousand fifteen or so. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. So Brian and I met through the Fish and Game Club here. We were both archery directors for the club. And then we just kind of started hunting together, and that's where that came. Had Went moose hunting quite a bit, went elk hunting quite a bit, and deer hunting. And, yeah, that's where it led us today. We've done a hunting page with Boreal Pursuit together. Now we're on to the podcast, and... The plans keep coming. <laughs> yep, bigger and bigger. If we only always... the animals we shot got bigger and bigger, hey? Yes. We always try to do at least one hunt in each other's area every year. So Brian will come up here for a hunt, and I'll go down there for a hunt. And it's always, always entertaining. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, after this weekend coming up here, we're going to go on an overnight trip scouting for elk. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun, but we're just going to go in for one night. Yeah. I'm coming up for two, but we're going to go in for one night. Spend two days in there, but... um. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be an adventure. We're going to go into a spot where we've been into several times before, but go in from a different direction and see if that way is easier to get in or harder to get in and kind of what kind of sign is on that side. Yeah, so the area we've been going into... Uh, we've got two bulls out of there already and we keep dropping in from the top, but it's very, very steep. And, uh, so we're kind of been looking on the map and just from knowing the area a bit, I know a trail that goes down to a certain area about, it's about three kilometers off, but it should bring us level to where we walk into the area fairly on even ground although that's probably not going to happen but <laughs> it'll be an adventure it'll be an adventure that's for sure yeah it'll be a longer hike in for sure it'll be a longer but it won't be near as steep no and it won't be i think at least at least for me like 
my thoughts of going in this way are, um, I think from a hunting aspect, the way that we went in in the past is probably the best because you can kind of blindside them. The wind is usually, you can play the wind and go on either side of the valley, right? Depending on the wind. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, I kind of think that they, they don't expect a person to come down that hill. It's so steep. It's so like, I think that you kind of catch them off guard by coming in there. And like I said, you can play the wind as a big factor too, but it's when you get the bull down that if, yeah, this way's longer, I mean, it's, it's a fair bit longer, but if it's flat where you don't have to go up that hill, it might be an easier pack out, honestly. And that's just it. Like, that's the whole reason why we go from the top is because you can play them a lot easier. But like you said, when we get the bull down, when we go out the top with packing out a bull, it's one trip a day. That's it. Oh, yeah. If we get a bull down and we can get one, obviously the first load out, that day after breaking up the bull camp overnight come back in first thing in the morning grab another load as much as we can hike out and then if it takes three trips you could probably do two trips in one day yeah if you do the initial trip the day you shot the bull yeah go back rest up and you know there's always a little bit of celebrating that happens and then the next day go back in and if you yeah, if you could hammer out two trips in that day i mean you're cutting your pack out time down by at least a day if oh, yeah. if it works out that way right well the first bull we got in there that was a two-day pack and the first day we had the two of us when i shot the bull and then we ended up getting two extra people to come in the second day and yeah the packs right up and yeah that's there in one trip the second day you guys packed out, you had, what, four guys? Yeah. You, your brother, Shay, and your brother's friend. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second time we went in, Shay shot the bull. Shay and I packed out the first load. We had one of Shay's friends come in, pack out the second load, but we were further down, and we overloaded our packs substantially. And we had to drop half our weight halfway up pretty much where I got my bull the prior year. Yeah. And then we went out and then Shay and I went back in the next morning to get the last load. So that was a three day pack out there. But if you do it, depending how this trail is, if there's very minimal up and down, or not super steep up and down like there is going out the top, then you could overload your packs quite a bit. And as long as you can crawl, (laughs) you can pack it out. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, going up the hill, you're only looking at what we... You you calculated it on your watch that one time. It's only 1.1 kilometers, I think. Yeah, but, but it was it's 1,100 foot vertical 1,100 feet. And yeah, to put it in perspective, like it's it's one kilometer, but 
I think we timed it the one time you start at the bottom of the hill and you're probably going to take, oh, at least three or four breaks. And I think it takes about an hour and a half, two hours to get up the hill empty. Like, I mean, not pushing yourself super hard. You could do it faster, but where you still have a little bit left whenever you get to the top of the hill. Doing it safely. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see anyways. I'm super excited. The grass around here still isn't very long, so I'm hoping we can find some sheds down in there. We went down for a shed trip in 2020, and we came out with a good load of sheds, and the grass was pretty tall then. We hit it pretty late. Yeah. But uh, the grass is nothing near what it was Hmm. then, right now, so... Hopefully we could find some. I'm going to set up a trail camera on the one lick. But uh, we're going to strategically set that one up this time. <laughs> so we yep. don't have anybody steal it again. <laughs> if they're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure they know who they are. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that was. I'm uh, excited for that. I got my pack all loaded today, minus food and water, and it's just sitting there waiting patiently to go. Yeah, I might take. I think I have one of my old cameras left. I might take it in there with us too, and see if there's still that huge trail that runs in between that one dip if so i might throw that one up on there because then if if something happens to it it's not a real big loss it's an old camera it's it served its time for sure yeah but i have that one old one here that you have too oh i thought you put that one up no for your deer spot oh yeah yeah no, maybe i wouldn't hold, hold a camera for that one. Oh, okay yeah, maybe I'll bring batteries up for it then. And I tried to get into the moose area to pull a moose camera that you had up here still. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's still quite a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I could get to the trailhead, but I couldn't get past it on the quad. <laughs> and it's a good. What do you say? Five kilometers in. Oh, that one, yeah, I would say every bit of five kilometers. Yeah. Maybe further from the trailhead to that one. I wasn't going to start hiking through all that snow to get down there, so we'll wait again. It should be good to go here in another week or so. Yep. So, and then where where are we heading to in Edmonton? Edmonton. Well, I'm going to Garth Brooks. <laughs> wow, who cares about that? Yeah. We got a no. Walking the River Outdoors has a seminar on June 25th in Edmonton. If you're around Edmonton on June 25th, you're not going to want to miss this. It's uh, We're only doing a select few seminars this year. So if you can get one in your area, I would highly suggest 
getting a ticket to go. Tickets are $60. You can buy them at the Wapiti River Outdoors website. Just click on the venue, more or less the town or city that we're going to. And then you can get your tickets. They're 60 bucks pre-order. And I believe in Edmonton, you can order tickets at the door. Yeah, pretty sure it said on the website uh, tickets will be available at the door as well. So, And Wapiti River is doing a giveaway right now. If you go on their Facebook page and follow Wapiti River Outdoors on Facebook and the Adler Archives on Facebook, like that post and tag three friends, you get entered to win a free ticket to the show a free read of your choice and a thermal that you can get entered to win. And the winners will be presented their prizes at the Edmonton show. There's going to be 10 winners. Oh, they're doing 10 draws. Yeah. There's 10 winners. And uh, so your odds are pretty good. And that's just for the Edmonton show. Hey, that's That's, not for all of them. That's just for the Edmonton show. But yeah, that's a pretty be, good deal. You have to be at the show to collect your prize. Well, yeah, that's that's the main attraction is the show, yeah. the free ticket to the show. Yeah, yeah. and that that is, uh, I think, that's the Saturday. Yeah, uh, Garth Brooks is in town Friday and Saturday, so yeah, I'm definitely hitting that up for the show. And I, and I believe the show is one o'clock to four o'clock. Yeah, one one to four. Where's yeah. it at? Do you know? I can't remember off the top can't of my head. Remember. Me neither. I, I was trying to think. But we will tag everything for the show in the notes here. So that you can just scroll down and you can get right to it. Or if you forget by the time you're done watching or listening to the show, to this episode, you can go see where it is. Yeah, and- I've... Uh actually been to before i even knew travis i went to one of his shows in edmonton um at jim bows and my first reactions i'll be honest the guy got up on stage in a pair of shorts and crocs and oh boy like what is going on here but then you listen to them and i think the shorts and crocs are just to keep people from bugging them and asking all the elk information to be honest with you because i know what he's talking about that's that's just travis he likes to be comfy (laughs) yeah he was definitely comfy yeah no it was good it was uh it was an awesome seminar i remember that one like i said that was before i even knew knew travis at all and uh i remember that was supposed to be like a two-hour seminar or something and i think four hours later we were leaving so you definitely got your your money's worth out of that one because he just packed it full of information oh yes i every show that i have been to that travis puts on it's you you walk out of there with your money's worth we'll put yeah. it that way yes yeah. The amount of knowledge that Travis gives you and technique 
on your calling sequences and just learning how to call is unbelievable. You won't find it anywhere else. And one-on-one practice too. Like he, if you're having issues after the show, he'll hang around and he'll help you out. If you're a brand new caller learning how to call with a read, he'll sit there with you until you get a noise. He's not just going to sell you a read and say, good luck. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, like he, Travis definitely showed that to me in the Edmonton show, that sportsman show that we went to there. Um, There was some kids that, like, you know, 10, 11-year-old kids seen us calling and stuff, and they wanted to learn, so they bought a read, and that was, you know, Friday night or Saturday morning, and then Sunday, by the end of the show, they were cow calling good and doing mews and starting to learn how to bugle and they would like it it was fun to see because they would well excuse me they would uh get a sound down and then they'd come back and they'd show them and oh what do i do now or how do i make it better and it was it was quite interesting to see and another thing like you were saying that he shows you calling sequences and how to do the calls that type of thing but one thing I really find with the few shows that I've been to Travis's is it's not just that it's like right from start to right to finish Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with and I probably think this because it's something that I struggled with and still do struggle with is uh, preseason scouting like I grew up hunting whitetail deer, I can usually find deer and stuff, but elk a lot of times I was struggling with hard. But Travis goes right through, you know, your preseason scouting, what you need to be looking for focused, how you need to set your cameras up to the calling sequences and practicing your calling before season. And then even goes into like the setup. So if you're using this sequence, this is how you need to set up. And you don't only need to be calling, but you also need to be raking and making noise, you know, to sound like the herd or, you know, at this time you need to be quiet and, and then goes on into like, as far as shot placement. um, I know you had said that uh, some of his shows even brings a little 3D elk just to show the shot placement. Like, that's unreal. Lots of guys just, you know, uh, we're here for the calling calling part. That's it. But there's so much more to it. And preseason scouting and your setup are some of the biggest things. Like, a lot of times you don't have to be the best elk caller in the world. It's your setup that's going to make or break the situation. So that's very important stuff to know, too. And that's just it. Like, that's just, that's Travis in a nutshell. Like, he has such a big passion for elk hunting that he loves to pass it on to everybody else. And it doesn't just end at that. It doesn't end at the show. Like, I've seen him. We've been out hunting. And we get back to the truck, and he'll get a success photo sent to him. And he's like a little kid on Christmas. He loves it. (laughs) Like, he absolutely loves it. Or we'll be out hunting. And he'll call in a bull for me. And whether it 
works or doesn't work, he's just as happy every single time. Yeah. And he, the passion he has for elk hunting and just talking to the elk and the setups is unbelievable. Like, he'd rather, if there's a bull screaming his head off that we know is going to come in super easy and one kind of talking, but we know we have to work for it, <laughs> he wants to go for the one that we have to work for because <laughs> he sees that as a chess game. Yeah, pick and pick and prod at this bull. Find out what he wants, what he wants, what he doesn't want, and work him in, work him in. And regardless if we shoot him or not, if we get him into thirty, forty yards, that's a success. Like we come out of that hunt thinking, "Holy crap, we just we just won this. We beat this bull." Oh yeah, yeah. Arrow, arrow or bullet, sent or not. Yeah. And it's just every single year, like I've known Travis for going on five years now. Every single year, he teaches me something new. And oh, yeah. it's just, I, ha- I, I don't know, besides you, I don't think I have fun hunt- more fun hunting with anybody else. <laughs> well, that's because that's, that's Travis calls in bulls. I just do stupid stuff to make you laugh, though. It's two <laughs> different kinds of fun. Hey, chicken hunting, chicken hunting is fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh if you're in the area, I would 110% recommend going to the seminar in Edmonton. It's they're yeah. unreal. You can't beat them. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be definitely good. And you should have if you do have tickets to the concert that night, you should have just enough time to do both. That's what yes. I'm hoping at least. <laughs> and give her a can... try. And if you can only get there until three o'clock, well, that still gives you two hours. That's two hours more knowledge that you're going to get. Yeah. Like the elk bros always say, there's no better investment than yourself. You can buy all the gear you want, but if you invest in yourself and your own knowledge, that's going to do you a lot more success in the long run than buying top of the line gear. Yeah, I 100% believe that. Like, even for me, you know, as far as my elk hunting game and even my deer hunting game, like, I feel like it's grown tenfold since I started um, listening to podcasts, you know, and I've gotten more comfortable with texting you or Travis or, you know, people that know more about elk hunting or whatever than I do and saying, hey, like, what if this happens? Or, you know, how does this sound? Or something like that, right? And you invest in yourself, it goes way, way further than it does buying the most expensive camo or the newest gun or the newest bow. Yeah, don't get me wrong, those material things are nice, but in the end, in the end, it's your knowledge that's going to win. Yeah, in the end, it doesn't matter if if you can't call an elk in. It doesn't matter what kind of camo you have on because he's never going to see it anyways. And really, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I always chuckle at Travis on this one. 
And sorry, Travis, if it sounds like I'm picking you on you. But <laughs> he wears a good pair of pants because they're that's what's going to be in the moisture. He wears a nice pair of moisture wicking pants and everything. But the top, I don't know how many times we went out golfing, or sorry, not golfing, elk hunting, and he's <laughs> wearing a golfing t-shirt. <laughs> a bright well, that's... orange golf t-shirt. And it's like, Travis, are you going to put a shirt, like a camel shirt on? Oh, no. I'm good. Well, I <laughs> think that that's that bull that he shot last year. That's the only pictures I've seen. He's got a polo shirt on. Yeah. And that, like, that's just, that. that's Travis right there. Like, he just, an outstanding guy. And yeah. he just knows the tricks. If you can work them in the right way, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. You can be wearing a bright orange golf t-shirt and call in Freddy <laughs> at eight yards and almost feed him out of your hand. <laughs> but that's another story that we'll tell when we have Travis on. Because I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I was in awe. <laughs> but uh, so what are we doing this fall? that we haven't done before and we've kind of mentioned it but we never actually talked about it well me and you are gonna go on probably the toughest hunt i've ever been on in my life it'll be the toughest hunt i've ever been on too and go chase after bighorn sheep i'm super excited for this hunt <laughs> but I have to admit, I'm super nervous for this hunt as well. I I feel the same. Like, I, I want to go, but I just don't know what to expect. I've heard so many horror stories, you know, about weather changing or something like that. Or me and you both kind of have a big fear of running out of food, even though it's ridiculous. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Go for a three day three day pack, and you have forty pounds worth of food with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a uh, a test for sure. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I already know that. But yeah, it's uh, it's the fact of like Brian said, both of us have a. We always get in our mind, what if we run out of food? And we went on a three-day spring bear hunt in 2020, and we probably packed half our backpack weight worth of food, which is absolutely ridiculous. We came back with more food than we knew what to do with. Yeah, we came back with more food than we ate on the yeah. trip. <laughs> so that's going to be a big learning curve there, like, I think these small little trips will do a lot. We'll figure out what we actually need. Yeah. And what we can go in with and be very minimal, I guess. But the other thing is water. Like we know of some, a couple little streams up there. But other than that, we got to make sure we have enough water too. Yeah. Yeah. Water doesn't worry me so much, but I, I, I don't know. 
I think we'll be able to find water, at least patches of water, and we'll definitely have to, you know, make sure that we mark them or uh, come back to them or whatever. Um, Something that kind of sticks in the back of my mind is the weather. Because where we're going into, one, if we get too much rain... We can't get out. Might not be able to get out. So I mean, we're definitely going to have to keep a keep an eye on that. And the other thing is, I mean, we're we're taking in minimal gear. Well, I mean, yeah, we both have good gear. I broke down last year and bought good gear, kind of planning for this. But uh, what if you do get all your gear wet and you're <laughs> I mean, I, I guess worse comes to worse. You strip down in your sleeping bag and let everything dry out. But And that's another one that I heard of, which I kind of want to test out. But uh, I've been told, and this is from listening to podcasts and listening to people that have sheep hunted. If you have a synthetic sleeping bag, if you crawl into your sleeping bag with your wet clothes, you will be dry in the morning. Hmm. Now, if you have a down sleeping bag with the feathers, it won't work because the feathers will get wet and they will clump up. You won't get that insulation, but the synthetic doesn't clump up and it keeps that insulation. I could see it. I mean, you're basically using your body heat. The only thing I, don't get is where does all the moisture go to i mean i guess it would have to go into your sleeping bag hey and yes and that's the only thing that i can see that it'd be nice to go on a trip this summer and try it but at the same time i'm not gonna get wet for nothing i'm not gonna gonna go get soaking wet for nothing just to just to see if something works i think if it happens we'll cross that bridge when we come but uh, I think we'll be pretty set, pretty set for that. Because I mean, you got a new TP tent last year, yeah, and you just ordered the stove; it's on its way now. So, with the yep. TP tent and the stove, we have experience with that in the past. Shay has one, and the night we shot Shay's bowl, it got down to minus eighteen. Yeah, and it was, it, you're you're chilly. You're it's. You're not sleeping in a five-star hotel, that's for sure, but it, you can get through. Yeah, and that's the main thing, as long as you can get through. And what's the, what's the saying for the sheep hunting world? you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable? <laughs> yep. I think, we can, I think we can get that one down. Oh, I think, yeah, we've been there before. But uh, it's going to be exciting. Like, I've... I've shot a non-trophy sheep before, but with that, the only judging I really did was judging if it was a female or a male. Yeah. And if it had, if it had a lamb. Hmm. And I did not want, I wanted to shoot a nice dry female. Yeah. So I sat and watched the herd for a little bit and singled out a nice dry female and that's the one I went up and shot and Hmm. that was the only judging that I really had to do but this is totally different like we got to be pretty precise on 
judging of size. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And if it's anywhere close, because Brian's been nice enough to let me be the first shooter, which usually, if Brian, if anybody knows Brian and I, it's usually the other way around. <laughs> I always let Brian be the shooter, and I play guide. But uh, if it's anywhere close, I'm not shooting. No, I don't blame you. It's not not worth the risk. Not worth. No, the it has to be a hundred percent. Like yeah. we have to look at that ram and be like, oh yeah, that's legal. Yeah. If we have to hum and haw about it, I'm not shooting. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'll 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 eat the sixty bucks for the tag. Some people might call me crazy, but. No, I agree with you 100%. My trigger, my trigger finger's not that itchy. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you what are you planning on taking in and what's kind of your goal weight to be? So I have my uh I have my Kuyu pants and jacket. And then I have my northbound pants. I'm going to pack my northbound pants in my pack because they can pack mm-hmm. up small enough. Mm-hmm. And it's a backup pair, like you said. Like, Yes, this is our first trip. It's our first mountain, real mountain hunt. So I'm pretty sure I could do without two pairs of pants. But I'm just... And the, and this might change too. I just don't know if I'm ready to commit a hundred percent with only taking one pair of pants, right? Yeah. I'll have my Hudo Long Johns and then a puffy jacket. Hmm. And then I'll have my sleeping bag, my basic kill kits, emergency kit, food. I think we're doing what, planning for four or five days? Yeah, I think we said probably seven days in total, but if we get yes. at least a day ahead to scout. So I, with food and water and everything, I'd, I want to say I'd like to be around the 50-pound mark. Part of me thinks that's too heavy, but for being inexperienced, not knowing much about packing for long term I feel like that's a pretty achievable goal and if there's anybody listening to this that has lots of experience with sheep hunting and packing for long trips please get a hold of us and you're welcome to come on and we can do a full episode on that alone oh yeah for sure because I feel like Brian and I could definitely take a lot of a lot of info off of that and I'm sure there's lots of people that listen that could take lots of info off that. Yeah. But other than that, like, rifle, like, your your basic hunting stuff, and then my overnight, I'll probably pack a couple pairs of socks. That's one thing I need dry. I need dry socks. Yeah. But I did get a new pair of boots, and I put them to the test there last week. And they they pass with flying colors. <laughs> I went out just after a rainstorm in these boots, and 
trying to get them to soak in, and my feet were bone dry at the end. That's good. So, that's good. What are you planning for packing? Um. Well, I've got my XO pack, of course, sleeping bag. Um, I've got the tent. I don't know. I think we talked about either we're going to divide the tent and the stove up or yes. tent stove and spotting scope. I've got the tent. My mom and dad actually have the stove. I shipped it to their house because they live in the States and it was way cheaper. <laughs> so they're going to bring it up this summer. They're coming to visit, so they're going to bring it up. Um, and Vortex spotting scope. Um, I think as far as clothes, I am going to try and wear in a set of base layers. My Kuyu pants, shirt, and jacket. And then I'm just going to pack a puffy jacket. And I'll probably take maybe one extra pair of underwear and maybe a pair or two extra of socks. I think that'll probably be about all I take in for for clothes. Um mm-hmm. Definitely game bags, knives, you know, kill kit. Um, I'm undecided if I'm going to take a rifle or a bow. Because, yeah, you're you're shooting first. And the area that we're going into, you can shoot sheep with a rifle. But everything else will still be bow. And there's a possibility that maybe we could get on an elk or a moose or something. So I'm I'm undecided if I'm going to take my bow or my gun yet. Yeah. I, we talked about this before, and we talked about leaving a bow down at the bottom. But that's a... I don't know if I want to... If I'd like to leave a bow at the bottom with our quads, but... Well, and the other thing is, too, like, even if you do get on an animal by the time you get down and get back up, like, it's probably game over anyways. Well, that and, like, I'm just thinking, like, because sheep's our main goal. Yeah. So, really, if we were going to go for anything else, it would be after a sheep. Oh, yeah. After after the sheep's down. But, I mean, how cool would it be if I shoot a sheep? And we randomly get on another one and it's in bow range. Or if we get on a ram and it's well within bow range. And it's well within bow range. I mean, I've shot your bow. You've shot my bow. It's not Well, exactly. Our draw length is, what, a quarter of an inch difference? Yeah. Quarter or half. Yeah. Like, we've shot each other's bows. We're we're 100% confident with each other's bows. Yeah. But that would be pretty cool. But yeah, I regardless, I I plan on taking this sheep with a rifle. Oh Probably yeah, I think you know, one. unless the opportunity, you know, the perfect opportunity presents itself, and and my kind of thinking behind it is you're shooting first, and 
what's the chances of two legal Rams being there? And we do the whole three, two, one, boom. Uh, I'm going to say very, very slim. So if, if anything, you get yours down and we do see another legal Ram, I'll grab your rifle and we'll, we'll get it done. But yeah. And that's just say like our rifle, our rifles we shoot with are pretty, pretty close to the same. Like, yeah. I'm shooting a 270 short mag and Brian shoots a 270 wind mag. They're the same make, make and model and everything. Just. Yeah. Just, just different. different stock. Yeah. But no, I think it'll be fun. Uh, yeah. We're definitely going to split up the tent and the fireplace. Yeah. Either that or the tent, tent and fire, fire uh, stove go with one guy and the spotting scope go with the other. Yeah. The spotting scope's heavy. And that's, that's just it. It's like, do you bring two spotters or just one? Like, I have my grappas that I can use and that I'm going to be practicing with all year, but yours is a newer, better one. Yeah. Like, my grappa has an old loophole, straight. I think it's a 60, maybe a 60. But it's uh, I've looked at elk up on the mountains here, and I couldn't make out if it was a six. Yeah, and it was borderline. I know yours. We looked at sheep and goats up on the mountain. That one spring, oh, yeah. and you could see them perfect. You could see them good. Yeah, but yours is also an eighty-five mil. Yeah, yeah, mine's eighty-five. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I know that, that mystery ranch, it makes perfect uh, spotting scope pockets. Hey, that sounds good to me. The tent and stove's probably close to the same weight as that spotting scope, to be honest with you. And that's, I wouldn't put that past it at all. <laughs> like, but like I, I heard is your spotting scope is worth it and money or worth it worth its weight and money or whatever the saying is but yeah everybody says if you can if you have a heavy 85 over a light 65 take the 85 <laughs> but that might also be for the guys up in the territories and that yeah. in Alaska and BC where they have to count rings for age yeah yeah as far as weight, though, like, I don't think don't I'll be too. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. But uh, as far as weight, I don't think I'll be too bad. But I, I weighed my pack. Uh, my pack with the tent, spotting scope, tripod for the spotting scope. Um, my gun, trekking poles my kill kit I had my puffy jacket in there Uh, my stove for cooking so basically I I put ahead and put socks and underwear in my sleeping bag like basically I think everything that I was thinking to take minus you know probably a first aid kit um, 
food, a little bit of water. And I think that I was at 39 pounds. So I like, I think I should be good for weight. Yeah. Now that's with my gun, which gun and bow, I should be fairly, fairly similar. That was actually my bow was probably a little bit lighter because I think that was with my bow or with my gun and 10 bullets is what I weighed that out with. That's another thing. I got to get used to shooting long dis- longer distance. Yeah. For anybody that knows me, I don't like shooting over 100 yards. <laughs> me so neither. I either have to practice shooting out to 500, or we just have to make sure we get within 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, 200 yards. I'm good. I'm good at 200. 200. Yeah, I could do 200. I could probably do three, but... I usually sight my rifle in dead on at 200. That puts it, with that 270 short mag, it puts it half an inch high at 100. Yeah. Yep. So I just, it's not a need to practice it, which you always need to practice. It's more, I need to get comfortable. And I know there's a lot of similarities. I know I can shoot further. And I have shot a target further. I like 300 yards. I just don't do it. Well, that's, I think, you know, I'm the same way. I just don't do it because uh, most of my encounters are within a couple hundred yards. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know, you know me, I, I like getting up close and personal, like, majority of the stuff i shoot is within bow range yeah oh i'm the same way like and yeah like, most of most of the animals i've killed i could have shot with a bow even when i shot them with a rifle and that's just it like every animal we shot together it's been close yeah except, other for, than my except deer. for your deer yeah which that's the longest shot i've ever shot at an animal yeah and that was what two two ten or something yeah we ranged right around two ten yeah and I did my longest shot that year too of my whitetail, and it was right around the same range, 210, 215. Yeah. And we both dropped them in one shot. Yeah. Well, yours got back up, but we won't mention that. Well, if you want to count that, then I shot him at about 230 running. <laughs> uh, he did, he did drop, but he got back up. Yeah, he didn't just drop, he did a flip. Yeah. <laughs> uh... That was a, that was a good one. You're on the bus going to work when I got that one. Yeah, yeah, I was going to work, <laughs> and I didn't give a shit. I was calling you anyways. <laughs> I think I remember you texting me saying I should have, I should have remembered I was on my bus to work. I watched the video and I yelled woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Or it was probably some other choice words, but uh, we'll leave that. Yeah, out probably there. not uh, podcast appropriate. But that was, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm super excited for it. It's definitely going to be something out of our realm. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think for me, 
honestly, I will consider it a successful trip if we go in, don't get hurt, and have fun. I I would love to have, you know, an encounter and get on one, but um I'll I'll consider it successful if we if we go in, have a good time, come back out and we want to do it again. I think yeah, that that'll be a successful trip. If we get one, well, that would be unbelievable in my opinion, but you know, even even to see some sheep and get on them and have the chance would be pretty incredible too. If we can get in there, like you said, have a fun, safe trip and get on a band of rams. Yeah. That would be, that would be unreal. That would make my trip. Yeah. yeah, me too. You obviously go into the trip hoping that you get one. Oh yeah. I mean, we're but, definitely going to give it everything we have. We're not, Yeah, we didn't spend all the time and money on gear to, to go in for a camping trip, but um you with, know for with it being our first year with it being our first year yeah i would i would be i would call it successful if we went in had a good time and wanted to do it again next year oh yeah and i, I think we will successful. i think we will too we like we love the backcountry elk hunting style so i think adding in the mountain with the sheep it's a big difference but I think we're halfway there. You're just we're at that point where we need to be pushed off the ledge, pretty much. Yeah, we need to do it. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're we're addicted to this. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be take much. But uh, no, it's definitely a, a get your feet wet, and you you don't know if the water is going to be hot or cold. But yes, but if we don't check, if we don't get one on this first trip. I think we're gonna. I think we're planning on trying another one in October. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so if we don't get our feet wet in the first one, we'll definitely get our feet wet in the second one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That that one's gonna be a big maybe. See when, see what all the weather is doing, and uh, I get my moose draw this year, and see if I get my moose by then. And yeah, that one will definitely be depending on weather, definitely yes. for where we're going. If it was like last year. Hundred percent, we could do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even think twice about going if it the weather was like last year. Yeah, and honestly, even if we had a little bit of snow, it wouldn't be too too bad. It's no. just you don't want the crazy cold temperatures, and I know they can come at any time. Like when we got Shay's elk, it was warm that day. Like not super warm, but it was five degrees hmm. it and was minus 18 that night yeah like we got back to the tent and i think i want to say 11 o'clock and it was warm like hmm. i was in a long i was in a long sleeve shirt sitting in sitting in the tent cooking supper and then i put we knew it was supposed to get a little cooler at night so i prepared for it and i remember waking up at like two in the morning and i was freezing yeah and then it was an hour one person stay up an hour stoking the stove while the other person sleeps then you switch yeah 
And I mean, if if you snore as much as you usually do in the tent, then I would not <laughs> make you stay <laughs> uh, Yeah, I probably will. Something about sleeping on a cold, hard ground. I snore every time. Ah, it's worth it, though. <laughs> Long, sleepless nights make for great memories. <laughs> so I think we might as well just cut her off there and... Next time you guys hear us talking on episode 12, we will be down in our elk area. We're going to do a live podcast sitting around a fire. Well, it probably won't be live because we won't have any service. But No, not live, but... It'll be uploaded when we get out. You get, you get the point. We'll yeah. be sitting around a fire, maybe have a couple drinks with us, possibly, and it'll be fun. That's right. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thanks again for listening to the Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, White Rock Performance Gear, Wapiti River Outdoors, and Monster Attraction Minerals.